If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake, because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hey, Keith. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. Do anything exciting this past weekend? Man, you know, this like feels like things are sort of getting normal-ish because I'm watching, you know, basketball on TV. So that's cool. There's a tournament going on, you know. <laughs> uh, I watched, in, in exciting other television news, I watched the finale of uh, UK Drag Race Season 2 last week. Oh, very nice. I did not. I won't spoil it for anyone, but uh, you know, make sure to catch up on it if you haven't. <laughs> there is music in there because they do sing, so, you know, and they do lip sync, so, you know. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop, sometimes March Madness, occasionally drag queens, <laughs> uh, of course, on Billboard's charts. Uh, in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about how Cardi B's Up goes up to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart for the first time, and how Morgan Wallen meets Whitney Houston and Stevie Wonder in chart history on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. Plus, we'll be talking all about Katy Perry's rumored Las Vegas residency. Is this the right move for Katy? What will it look like? What will it sound like? Who should do a residency next? We will talk about all that and much more. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast... Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Um, alrighty, let's do the chart chat. First up, Cardi B's Up rises up from number six to number one. It's never going to get old on the Billboard <laughs> Hot 100 to score its first week atop the list. The song, which becomes Cardi B's fifth Hot 100 number one, debuted at number two five weeks earlier and tallied three weeks at the runner-up spot before reaching the summit this week. The song was performed uh, by Cardi as part of a medley during the March 14th Grammy Awards aired on CBS, no doubt helping the song's activity for the week. Uh, the tune garnered 18,000 downloads sold in the U.S. in the week ending March 18th, which is up 96% according to MRC data. The song also snared 22.7 million streams in the same period, which is actually down 5%. Uh, it also attracted 34.9 million in radio audience in the week ending March 21st, which was up 7%. I have to say, I'm very happy for Olivia Rodrigo and her massive, you know, debut number one song, spending so much time, you know, at the top of the Hot 100. But it's fun to have some new people you know, Drake and Cardi are not new to number one, but it's fun to have some new songs at number one, you know, and shake it up a little bit. Yeah. Shake That's it how up. I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, uh, as as Katie just said, you know, Cardi is no stranger to number one. She's been at number one before with Bodak Yellow, Money Moves. I like it with Bad Bunny and J Balvin. Girls Like You, which was credited to Maroon 5, featuring Cardi B. And WAP, featuring Megan the Stallion. Uh, next up, over on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, Morgan Wallen's Dangerous, the double album. may have heard of it. Hits double digits at number one on the Billboard 200 as the set spins its 10th week atop the list. It arrived at number one nine weeks ago on the chart dated January 23rd and has yet to budge from the top. And in doing so, Dangerous is the first album to spend its first 10 weeks on the chart at number one since 1987. More on that in just a second. The album also continues to have the most total weeks at number one since Drake's Fuse spent 13 non-consecutive weeks in the lead in 2016. Dangerous earned 69,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending March 18th, which was down 11%. Dangerous is the first album to spend its first 10 weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 since 1987, when Whitney Houston's Whitney album logged all 11 of its weeks at number one from its debut week. So it debuted at number one and then spent 11 weeks in a row at number one and then never went back to number one. Before Whitney, the only other album to spend its first 10 weeks at number one on the chart, which began regularly publishing as a weekly chart in March of 1956, was Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. It spent its first 13 weeks on the chart at number one of a total of 14 non-consecutive weeks at number one from late 1976 to early 1977. If you may be wondering, charts fans out there, if you may be wondering, uh, is just 10 weeks in a row at number one kind of a big deal? The last album to just have 10 weeks in a row at number one, period, not necessarily from its debut week, was Adele's 21, which had 10 weeks in a row in 2012, of its total 24 non-consecutive weeks at number one. Um, and obviously Adele's 21 did not spend its first 10 weeks on the chart at number one. So have your eyes fully glazed over yet, Katie, about well, this Morgan I actually, Wallen, Whitney I have Houston a question. stuff? Okay. I have a question. Uh, do you know yet whether there's anything that came out this past Friday that looks like a, a challenger too dangerous for next week's chart? I think what it's safe to say is that, you know, there are two big albums by two artists who have previously been number one on the Billboard 200 uh, who released albums last Friday. Uh, Lana Del Rey's Kim Trails Over the Country Club and Justin Bieber's new album Justice. So I think it's probably safe to assume that most people would expect that either of them could possibly get a number one. But, yeah. you know, the week it, the week is young. We shall see. We'll see what, um, what chart prognosticators think as the week moves on. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's tough to be in that business. Um, yes. <laughs> well, lastly, staying with the Billboard 200, Dua Lipa, hey, friend of the podcast, Dua Lipa. Yeah. Uh, her album, Future Nostalgia, actually gets a big Grammy Awards bump as the set hits a new peak on the chart, rising six to three 
with 37,000 units, uh, which is up 27%. The album surpasses its original chart high of number four, which was achieved in its debut frame basically a year ago on the April 11th, 2020 chart. Future Nostalgia won the Grammy Award for Pop Vocal Album uh, during the televised broadcast. And while she also performed uh, two Future Nostalgia songs on the show, Levitating featuring DaBaby and Don't Start Now. Also, one other thing in the top 10, a big Grammy gain for Taylor Swift's uh, former number one folklore. Uh, of course, the album took home the award for album of the year at the Grammys. Uh, the album jumps 29 to 10 on this week's chart, earning 28,000 units, which is up 59%. Well, we would love to talk about the fact that Katy Perry is rumored to be planning a residency at a brand new casino slash resort on the Las Vegas Strip. Billboard reported last week that the residency will begin later this year and run into 2022. And her new home will reportedly be the theater at Resorts World, which will hold 5,000 fans. Where is and this being place built going to be on as the strip, speak. by the way? Um, I actually don't know like what it's between. Let's go ahead and I look, I feel like though. I saw something on the web where it was like at the far end of the strip, like the other end of the strip. Let's look. Like... Like, cause so for people, for, th- for those listening at home, if you haven't been to Vegas, one end of the strip is kind of where most of the action is at MGM, Mandalay Bay, Monte Carlo. And then as you go farther towards the other direction, it gets a little bit more sparse. I feel like that's where this resort is going to be. I think it's going to be at the other end of the strip. Oh, it was where the Stardust was, Keith. Well, where you was the, the Stardust, Stardust at? Yeah, the Stardust was right next to Frontier across the street from um, the Wynn. Oh yeah, that's that's so that far is down. way out there. It's yeah. way out there, and apparently, according to um, Colin's article on Billboard.com, uh, it is the first new from the ground up casino on the Vegas Strip in more than a decade. So there have wow. been other new things that have taken over old locations, but this is the first one that they're they're building from scratch in more than a decade. So very interesting. That's yeah, that's a whole other really interesting aspect. There's a lot of actually interesting music biz uh, angles of this, like AEG is a partner in the theater, et cetera. So they, they're going to help, you know, bring some big name artists in there and help book it. Um, But Katy Perry is rumored to be uh, the, the first name to come out of this. Of course, she has not announced this herself yet. That's why I'm using all these rumored and reportedly even though we have this on good authority um you know until it comes out of katie's mouth we're you know just hedging our bets here you know like people do in las vegas um but we basically had a lot of questions coming out of this keith and i both have spent a lot of time in las vegas to cover the billboard music awards to cover the iheart radio music festival um right. yeah so like we've we've to been also there a just lot. To, to randomly go to see shows yep exactly <laughs> including residencies so we we definitely have like a little special interest in this, but my my first question is, and my first discussion point is that I just want to know, like, do we think this is the correct career move for Katy Perry at this moment and stage in her career right now? Yeah, one of the first things I thought of was that, oh well, she just had a baby. When Britney had her kids, Britney Spears had her kids. It, it I think 
I think she probably thought like the Vegas move was like a good thing because it could keep her in one place with her kids. I think Celine Dion, I think that was one of the reasons why I think she wanted to do her residency originally because it kept her in one place. I I don't know if all those people, they didn't have as new of a baby as Katie does, but they all were parents. And actually, Colin and I looked into this when we were working on the article. Okay. Um, The Backstreet Boys also are all parents. um, And uh, Nick and his wife actually had their baby at the hospital in Las Vegas because they were living there while he was doing the backstreet residency. Yes. I'm sorry, Nick Carter. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's, it makes so much sense for a pop star parent to set up shop in one place, get all the benefits of touring without physically having to move yourself around place to place with a small child or a child period. Makes right. a lot of and sense. Katie already lives in Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area anyways, I believe. So it wouldn't be, she could in theory, have a palatial place in Vegas for part of the time and also be able to like jet home frequently, you know, to LA if she needs to. Which is what we've learned. A lot of these people have done as well. We mentioned Brittany, you know, the, the casino resort typically puts these people up in their biggest penthouse situation um, at the, at the um, hotel. But of course, they're doing, you know, maybe two to three concerts a week, maybe more, maybe less. And so they spend the time there that they're performing and working, but then they go home and it's easy to yeah. go home. It's just like commuting. You know, a lot of us have an hour commute in Los, in Los Angeles. So well, might as well to. have your hour commute in the air instead. Right. Right. So, yes, the, I totally agree with that. And as a mom myself, that was the very first thing I thought of. And then I started kind of drawing lines between um Katy Perry and Jennifer Lopez specifically because it's interesting to note that they both also have gone the American Idol judge route and the Las Vegas residency route and actually in that same order JLo started as an Idol judge then went to a Vegas residency and Katy's doing that order now comparing where they were age-wise which doesn't necessarily show where they are in their career but just for you know comparison um katie's 35 right now j-lo's 51 and when j-lo started on idol it was 2011 so that was exactly 10 years ago so she was 41 so obviously katie started at idol about 10 years a a little less than 10 years than earlier than j-lo did as far as like where she is in life Hmm. So I was just looking at that because it's interesting that they had specifically those two things in common. Um, and obviously it's been nothing but good for Jennifer Lopez. I think if we, if we look at it that way, um, as yeah. far as, you know, continuing her legacy and just being a big display for the many hits she has had over the years. And Katie's had even bigger ones, you know, over, over her shorter career. Shade, but, shade, Katie. <laughs> Has she not literally charts manager Keith had bigger hits than Jennifer Lopez? Look, we are not here to compare <laughs> the chart legacies of Jennifer Lopez and Katy Perry. Um, um, but yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And, you know, it could be if this is something that Katie's going to do, it would be probably to her a very, you know, logical move that could generate her a lot of money without having to like leave Southern California, Las Vegas area. Yeah. And so having already mentioned JLo, first of all, I should say I saw the Jennifer Lopez residency. Um, As and, did when I. You lo- 
as did as did Keith. And as when you look at that one, JLo really leaned into like her dancing and her sex appeal as like a showgirl, you know, burlesque almost kind of um, show. She has like yeah. an actual literal burlesque number that goes on in the middle of her show. And so I'm wondering what we think Katie's will look like, because obviously I feel like looking just at Katie's music videos over the year, I'm seeing like, you know, candy explosions or looking at her Super Bowl halftime, you know, just like silly, colorful, um, super visual, super um, just like like a huge production is what I'm envisioning for her. I, th- I think I think the other thing to remember is that, and you already said this, is that this casino and the theater is the first resort casino thing that is being built new on the Strip in a decade. Therefore, much like when they built uh, the Coliseum at Caesars, or I guess even like the Wynn, they can make it like super custom, state-of-the-art, mm-hmm. specifically designed for maybe the the artists that are going to be the first to play that venue. So, yeah. you know, this gives Katie or any others, if Katie is going to be the person, the opportunity to help like launch technology and visuals and um, elements that we've never seen before on stage, which would go perfect with her very kind of, you know, bright and colorful and, and kind of, you know, mesmerizing kind of graphics that she's always done, you know, for her career. I think that could be like a really great thing if you think about it. Yeah. She's obviously a visual artist. So you're right. The fact that she could actually have input going into it as opposed to retrofitting something for a space makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The the best residencies are the ones where you feel like it's something unique and special to Vegas, as opposed to someone just bringing their touring show into Vegas, you know? Well, like what we were talking about, J-Lo. We'll just keep talking about J-Lo since we both saw it. But literally has a a stage that is shaped in the letters (laughs) J-Lo. Yeah, I stood right next to the O when I saw her. It was great. (laughs) That's a great seat or a great standing location. I I definitely had a seat. It's amazing. (laughs) I was literally J-Lo's heel was in front of me. It was amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've got pictures. I can tell you. I can show you later. It's great. I also was just thinking uh, from a super practical standpoint, you know, we're everybody's talking very hypothetically about um, concerts and touring and festivals right now in in the U.S. at least. Um, Other places are already out there doing it. But, you know, a lot of people are looking at the fall setting, you know, festival dates for September. Um, But this feels like the most responsible and easiest way as far as the artist goes to kind of do a concert in a post COVID-19 world where her entire bubble of people that she's interacting with and working with are the same in the same space day after day, after day, after day, there's a lot of trust there. There's a lot of safety in that, you know, I made a note though, as long as she doesn't do meet and greets every night, like Brittany (laughs) used to do in Vegas, you know? So, but yeah. um, it, just looking at it from that standpoint, it feels like it could be like a really uh, the most responsible way to kind of dip your toe back into performing. Yeah. I mean, also in just general, it's going to be just it's weird to even think about being in group settings again, full stop. It's just weird to me. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to just to see it when and if this actually gets announced, when it actually will start. Like, yeah. I think a lot of shows are now scheduled for definitively like people have scheduled like august september for like a lot of shows i mean we're so talking about vegas life is beautiful uh is on the books for september in Ve- in wow. las vegas so 
Um, and I think I've, I've seen photos. Vegas is kind of up and running as it is right now. So, you know, do with that what you will. <laughs> but Vegas, baby, uh, what stays in Vegas or what happens in Vegas probably leaves with you on the airplane to yeah, go back. Probably home definitely does not stay there. Um, also, uh, they, they're saying that it's going to be late 2021. But as Keith said, like we will wait and see. But it's interesting to think that they're building it right now. It's like, are they going to make the seats a little farther apart, maybe, in this post-pandemic situation? Give people a little more space? I don't know. Like, make couches or pods that you can be with people you already know? Or who knows? Like, there's lots of things that they could do thinking, you know, with that in mind. But I digress. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, we've kind of touched on this, I think, with, you know, mentioning a few artists. But I feel like as early as, like, 10 years ago, even the residency had kind of a reputation for being, you know, a, a Donnie and Marie Osmond sort of Wayne you know, Newton, space. everybody Wayne Newton. Um, it, 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 there were people who like definitely owned in that space, but it, it wasn't exactly a career move. It was like the end of the line for a career is what is what the reputation what once was. I'm wondering, Keith, does in your mind, the residency have a, a completely new reputation now, given the last decade plus. I think it's, I think yes. And I think yeah. most people would agree. And I don't think that's like a difficult answer. And I think, you know, because you have so many contemporary artists who are still relevant and, and, and making new compelling music that is very popular and current, I think that that and and that's a night and you can have those people along with the blend of heritage and veteran acts that also are on the strip as well. I'm like there's something yep. kind of for everyone in Vegas, whether you're like, you know, a, a 21 year old or an 81 year old. There's going to be something for you. Yep. And um, I think Lady Gaga is a great example too, because I mean she was literally doing the Las Vegas residency residency at the same time as she was scooping up an Oscar for A Star Is Born. I mean like. You can't, you know, get more uh, relevant or current or, you know, working in the midst of, you know, everything. I feel like she just showed that you can do it at not only when your career is still chugging along, but like at the literal height of your career, you know? And then after that, she ended up getting another number one album with Chromatica and another number one single with Rain On Me with Ariana on the Hot 100. And a new Grammy. A new Grammy, too, with Ari. There you go. Did you you see the Lady Gaga residency? I did not. Man, did I want to. She actually had two different ones. There was like a a piano night kind of thing uh, that was like jazzier. And then she had her like super pop forward Enigma one. um, And I did not get to see either of them. They were very short lived. And I think that is something that would have continued a few more uh, dates had it not been for um, Never know. It could always come back. It could. Speaking of which, Keith uh, made a few notes about... uh, about some residencies that, you know, were happening or were in the works when um, COVID struck. I I remember Kelly Clarkson was supposed to host the Billboard Music Awards last spring, and then it was all going to be part of, like, launching her, her, like, brand new residency at the same time. Um, It was supposed to start in April 2020. Not not a great time to start a new concert situation um, at Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood. And Planet Hollywood is where um, Britney's residency was uh, forever as well. Um, but as evidenced by her talk show and her karaoke and people just demanding to see her sing anything because her voice is so incredible, it's a perfect fit in my mind for Kelly to, to pick that back up where she left off. 
Who are some other people, Keith? That uh, uh, some of the other people that had uh, at least some new residencies that yeah. were scheduled but never actually got off the ground, but are still, I think, going to happen. Um, Sting had a residency called My Songs. Was supposed to open last year. Now it's scheduled to start in October. And uh, Usher has a residency that's going to be at the Coliseum, which starts right now on July 16th is the date that it's supposed to start. So who knows if that will get pushed back. We shall see. And I just wanted to wrap this conversation by thinking about, you know, in we know that Katie's rumored, but like who else would we love to see in a residency? And I feel like there's some pipe dream ones, Uh, you know, you know, my love for Justin Timberlake. And I would love to see him do a residency in Las Vegas. I feel like with his uh, focus, maybe a little more on acting than music that I can't see him doing that just yet. But like I said, Lady Gaga was picking up an Oscar when she did hers. So never say never. So that's a if total the money's right. You, yeah. you can make anything happen. Yeah. How about you? Who would you like to see Keith? Um, I, I was thinking, well, I guess I was thinking of this in terms of like, who would be like the, putting aside my personal desires i think someone who like you'd have to think who's an incredibly visual artist that can really adapt to kind of like the the razzle dazzle showmanship of vegas and i thought of beyonce and rihanna neither one of them are hurting for cash so i doubt they will ever (laughs) probably you know do it um but if they ever entertained the idea of you know doing another tour maybe they would think well you know what i could do vegas jet in for a certain number of days, do some groundbreaking visuals as both of them are apt to do in general. And if you're an artist as big as as Beyonce or Rihanna, you could call the shots as to like what the venue does for you to make it custom to you and to make it an immersive 3D experience. You know, I mean, who knows what they could do? So, I mean, I think those would be amazing, amazing gets for anyone in Vegas at, at it for a residency. Yeah, and I mean, the word residency is really um, ill-defined as well. So you don't need to <laughs> yeah. be doing like every week, you know, you don't need to be putting in shows all the time. You mentioned um, uh, in our script, Billy Joel uh, doing a quote-unquote residency at Madison Square Garden. And that means he shows up once a month, does yeah. a show, which great. He lives in New York. Sounds sounds like a plan. Whereas, and and the comparison you made was like, what if, what if Barbara Streisand were to make a similar deal? I mean, knowing how popular Celine was in Vegas and being, you know, this incredible vocalist and show woman and having all these massive songs over the years, Barbara at, you know, at Caesars, my God, like <laughs> it would be perfect she doesn't, you know, she doesn't tour very often. And whenever she has toured, she's been very frank saying, yeah, I'm I'm doing it so I could buy this new painting. I'm doing it so I can, because she doesn't need the money. So right. if she could do something where she can just jet in from Malibu on a Friday night, play one show a month, play, and each seat is like $750 or something ridiculous. And she's like, yep. yeah, I'll take this cash and go buy a new house, you know, or whatever. <laughs> For every show. whatever she needs yeah uh anyway. yeah i think that would be perfect well okay in conclusion we really hope this katy perry thing is a is a reality because uh, what's the show going to be called waking up in vegas oh uh, i mean it's sitting right there waiting for her i mean that okay. that's the opening number all day like that is the opening number every single time for sure wow that would be a hit filled show 
Can you imagine? Oh, well, yeah, we didn't even talk about. I mean, like I literally said in our script, like she should just do Teenage Dream front to back every night. In addition to all of her hits, like the woman has songs and like, they're fun, super high energy songs. There wouldn't be a dull moment in that set. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Katie, <laughs> and let's Keith make and it I want to go. We want to go. KDA wants to see KDP. Yeah. In the <laughs> Maybe LV. we'll bring KDB along too. <laughs> KDB. Katie Bain, everybody. All right. Uh, well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Thirty-five years ago this week, the rock band Heart hit number one for the first time on the Hot 100 with the ballad These Dreams. The song spent one week atop the chart, dated March 22, 1986. These Dreams was part of a remarkable comeback for the band in the mid-1980s, led by sisters Anne and Nancy Wilson. After a string of hit singles in the late 1970s and early 1980s with songs like Crazy on You and Barracuda, the group was in a commercial slump by 1984. The act's final album for Epic Records, 1983's Passion Works, became their lowest charting album on the Billboard 200 to date at that point, and none of its singles cracked the top 40 of the Hot 100. The band signed with Capitol Records for their next album, shifted their sound and visual style to uh, the high gloss of MTV at the time, and brought in outside songwriters to work on their music with them. These were all decisions the sisters later said they agreed to, quote, reluctantly at the time, uh, according to an interview that Anne did with Rolling Stone in 2016. But the gamble actually paid off. Their self-titled 1985 album became their first and only number one on the Billboard 200 that year, and it spawned four top 10 Hot 100 hits, including the number one, These Dreams, which was written by Martin Page and Bernie Taupin. Hart's hot streak continued with their next two albums, 1987's Bad Animals, which reached number two on the Billboard 200, and 1990's Brigade, which hit number three. Combined, the three albums generated 10 top 40 charting hits on the Hot 100, including another number one, the epic 1987 power ballad Alone. Hart last hit the Hot 100 in 1994, but the band continued to record and release new music, while Anne and Nancy also branched out on their own with solo endeavors and side projects. The band's most recent studio album, Beautiful Broken, was released in 2016 and debuted in the top 10 of the Top Rock Albums chart. So there you have it. 35 years ago this week, Heart was number one on the Hot 100 with These Dreams. These dreams go on when I close my eyes. Every second of the night, I live another life. All right. Um, there was your longish heart stat, but I love I heart, love that. so I'm all for it. You know it. what? It, you know what it made me think of? It's like, one of my they're one of my favorite groups that like has two very distinct periods like that like the very rock sound in the beginning and the way more pop sound in the 80s where i i love them equally in those different iterations you know what i mean and, and you and i both probably learned about them from their 80s material first actually no oh. classic rock radio my my dad was classic rock guy all day so like barracuda Magic Man, Crazy on You. Those are the first heart songs I knew. I learned about them because of Alone and These Dreams and What uh -huh. About Love. And I was so tickled when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 
induction ceremony was in Los Angeles one year for some reason. Oh, wow. And I covered the red carpet for Billboard, and that was the year Hart was being inducted. And I talked to Ann and Nancy on the red carpet. Oh, my God. I lost my marbles. Oh, my God. We could do a whole show about them, I think. Hey, Ann and Nancy, if you want to be on the podcast, feel free to give us a ring. Uh, Yeah, let's hit them up. Um, um, should we go uh, out on another heart song while we're please, at it? Please, let's just cram as much heart in this episode as we can. Um, do you want to go out on uh, one of their uh, classic '70s tunes that you that you love? Yeah, let's let's just go for Barracuda. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Except no substitute. Thank you.